Hey, entrepreneurs, are you trying to make bigger profits in your small business? Like many of us, I'm sure you're feeling it. Business is hard. And now more than ever, you need to have a plan to help you make sure that you can not only survive, but thrive. I'm Marcia Reiner. I'm a business strategist on a mission. I've helped tons of small business owners to create tangible uh, plans that guarantee sustainable profitability and guide your growth. I want to share ideas that I've earned and learned with you on today's Profit with a Plan podcast. So I'm super excited to have my guest with me today, Ruth King. Ruth is a profitability master and has the passion for helping businesses to get and stay profitable using the latest systems, processes, and technology. After 12 years of being on the road, doing 200 flights per year, I'm sure she got great miles doing that. (laughs) (laughs) She knew that there had to be a better way to reach business people who wanted to build their business and train their employees. She began training on the internet back in 98 and began her first tele, uh, began first television like broadcasting in 2002. Her channels included HVAC uh, Channel TV and ProfitabilityRevolution.com, as well as others. Ruth holds an MBA in finance from Georgia State University and a bachelor's and master's degree in chemical engineering from Tufts University and the University of Pennsylvania, respectively. Her latest books, Profit or Wealth, with a question, will be released or was released on October uh, of 2020. And this book preceded uh, by The Ugly Truth About Cash and the number one best-selling book, The Courage to Be Profitable. These books were named um, two of 37 books, startups that you should read, along with the books of Napoleon Hill, Stephen Covey, Dale Carnegie, and other esteemed authors. What a great place to be. She is, also, she is also the author of two other award-winning books, The Ugly Truth About Small Business and The Ugly Truth About Managing People. Well, we want to get out of that ugly truth phase here and bring it and launch it. Ruth, thank you so much for being a guest on Profit With a Plan today. Thank you, Marcy. It is great to be here. Thank you. Both- I appreciate I appreciate your opportunity to stick with me. I know we've had some interesting conversations in the past, so this is good. This yeah. is good. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you and I both have the, the sense that business owners need to be profitable and stay profitable because if they're not profitable, they will eventually go out of business, as you well know. <sighs> right. And you know what? It, it's I thoroughly believe in my soul that us entrepreneurs and small business owners, we're the lifeblood of the economy. And if we can't continue to move and, and be there, then the world's not going to have us or, or be as successful because those big conglomerates can only do so much. They don't really, you know, they don't lead the, the everyday business, the everyday person. They're not there for them. So it is my passion and mission as it is yours to make sure that they survive. So I'm glad you're here today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Great. So um, I love the names of all the books and quite accomplished. Um, What are some of the things that uh, you believe are super important for business owners to have in place to be profitable? Well, number one is you never depend upon percentages. I mean, I can't imagine you going to the bank with a 10% net profit and saying to the teller, here's my 10%. Can you deposit it for me? <laughs> Not going right. to happen. Yeah. The only thing that you can take to the bank are dollars. So I don't live off percentages. I don't live off of gross margins. I live off of 
all right, what was your gross profit? What was your overhead costs and your overhead costs? And you break that down per hour of billable time or per hour of revenue generating time. And then you end up with a net profit per hour. You know, you and I talked about one of your clients who thought he was, um, so we just say he was earning only $75 net profit per hour and he thought he was earning 500. So yeah, it was pretty, pretty, pretty uh, big in the disparity there. So yeah, it was, it was, yeah. it was a big aha moment. Yeah. And so I think a lot of small business owners, when they stop thinking I made 10% or I made 5% or I made, you know, whatever it is and start thinking in terms of the dollars that they made and what that really translates into the number of billable hours or the number of revenue producing hours. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of small business owners, you know, their net profit per hour is like $3 and 52 cents. And you can make more at a fast food restaurant than that. Why are you doing this? <laughs> you know, that's, that's the craziest thing ever that that realization and so many people just go to work and do their job and they don't break it down to what they're truly earning per hour. And it's a big aha when you get into it, you know, and you, you pull it back out because, we all got into being a business owner, an entrepreneur, because we thought we wanted this, you know, fantastic lifestyle um, and making all this money and having our own freedom to make decisions. But holy cow, we uh, it, it's it's rarely what what it turns out to be. Right. Yeah, it, it really and truly is. You know, I don't think any of us got into business unless you're a CPA or a bookkeeper and even me. Uh, to do the financial side of business. We just don't get into business that way, but it's the financial side of business that will keep us in business. Because if we don't pay attention to our profit and loss statement and our, and more importantly, our balance sheet every single month, we have no clue. And our balance sheet and PL might be going, hey, we got a problem here. And if you're not looking at it, it's going to bite you in the butt. And if I may, let me tell a story about it. Please. All right. So one of my clients has been my client for a while and we, we always do a budget every year and he sends me weekly numbers every, every week. And he was doing fine until August. And so he stopped paying attention. And so I get the numbers every week from his bookkeeper and the bookkeeper sends him the numbers every week. And I watched him not make budget from like August on. And I'm going, you're going to start running into cash flow problems. And I'm screaming as much as I can because I can't run his business for him. And I get an email from him the week before Christmas saying I'm out of money. And I'm like, did you even look at what we've been talking about and sending you for the past three months? Well, no, I really didn't pay attention. It was his wake up call. He was lucky mm. enough to have a line of credit to be able to do it, but he just didn't watch and didn't watch and didn't watch and didn't watch. And all of a sudden, bang, he gets hit between the eyes with the two by four. And sometimes it, that's what it takes. And it wasn't a surprise to you and the accountant because you were going, hey, warning flag, warning, warning, warning. And he didn't pay attention. So no. what a horrible story. Yeah. But the, the, the moral of the story is now he's, you know, we make budget or we have made budget just about every single week since this started. And he started getting back at it. And we're getting more and more and more cash in the door because of it. Good. And, you know, I think that's it. Um, you have to live within boundaries, right? And that's mm -hmm. what a budget is. A budget mm -hmm. is not a diet, I always say. Um, you know, it's really just a, a, a listing of what you have done in the past and what you're projecting to go in the future. But if you don't look at this and you just write checks or stick the credit card in or debit card in, you're never going to know. So I love the idea that you absolutely have to watch your money. You have to watch your numbers. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is, I look at a budget in 
and in two ways, I look at the budget, you know, hey, we're over budget and revenue. What did we do right? Can we continue to do it to be over budget? Or we're behind budget or, you know, we, we're spending less than we thought we were. Terrific. What are we doing right? Rather than the penalty of, okay, we're over budget and expenses and under budget and revenue. I try to look at it from the positive side, but what, what a budget can do to help you do what you're doing right, even better. I love it. I love it. So what are some of the things that you can do better in the budget side? And let's talk about the spending, the spending, because that's one side of it. And then obviously the income side, we can go hit that afterwards. But what are some of the things in a budget that we can do to make it work better? Okay, first thing is all of us have signed up, and I'm sure you have too, for something that was monthly recurring billing for some product or some service or whatever else it is. And we're not using it anymore. I mean, I'm guilty of this too, but we try to go through it at least the once gym. a year. Yeah. The, 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 no, I'm talking about business stuff. Like I know, you, but it's the same line as that gym. You know, you sign up with all intention and you never do it. And, you know, that's very easy. You know, it's a 25 bucks a month or 20 bucks a month or whatever else it is. And you have to evaluate, are you using it or not? And if you're not, get rid of it. I mean, that's easily taken out of a budget from an overhead perspective. You know, that's, that's a really good thing. Some of those things that they don't think about, I have one of my clients that um, has relationships with uh, joint venture partners, you know, something as simple as like a send out cards thing, you know, yeah. you, you pay and you're paying $40 a month and he's never sending out the cards. It's thank you and relationship building with the client. And so, you know, he doesn't want to cancel it because of the relationship. And I have to, you have to, you have to make decisions, business decisions here. Um, so I think that that's a, a really important piece. What are some of the well, other he, things that we might yeah, want to well, look but, at? Hold on, I'll give you some more. Sorry. But if he's spending $40 a month, he might as well use it. Send out the cards. I mean, it's just, you might get a whole lot more business in and start the revenue side over, over that. And so, you know, you've got to spend the 40 bucks because you want to keep the relationship going. But what may happen by spending the 40 bucks and sending out the cards is you get more business in the door. Why wouldn't you do that? <laughs> That's a perfect analogy of what you should be doing. I like it. So some of the yeah. other things that we look at that maybe we don't realize we should or shouldn't have. Okay. The other thing that I would look at is overtime, especially as it relates to office personnel. Um, they get used to being on their cell phone or, you know, one of these fun things and looking at Facebook and whatever else it is, and they're not doing their job. And all of a sudden they've got an hour or two extra of overtime. And that's really not what you want to have happen. If they should be able to do their job, 99% of the time in the 40 hours that they are there to do their job and they can't, the question is, are they wasting time during the day or does that job really take more than 40 hours? And that's something that you can look at. Overtime is pervasive. It's, it, it's creeping up a little bit at a time and then all of a sudden it's like, wham, where did this come from? So you're really in a situation with overtime is you have to watch it and you should have a no overtime policy except if authorized. And, and that's the way I look at things like that. Um, the other thing that I would look at is marketing and advertising. This is where we get into a lot of the, the SEO things every single month or something along those lines every single month. And again, is marketing paying for itself? If you spend $100 in marketing, are you getting $100 back in revenue or you know, in leads or whatever else it is? I mean, right. those are three areas that instantly can help you. Wow, those are really important and key points. Um, that controlling the the hours of your employees and specifically overtime because you're paying time and a half. 
Um, but the little things like the marketing and the subscriptions, perfect things. Okay, so we've got three really easy things that you can look at your budget right now, right today, and change. Yay. So let's flip on the other side of the statement here. Let's look at the income side. What little things, ideas can we put in our budget today that might be able to increase the income side? The best thing to do is what I call reactivating your inactive customers. So all of us have a customer list. And how many of those customers have bought from you, let's say, in the last two years, but they haven't bought from you this year? So this is, this is now 2021, but let's look at 2020. They've been on a customer list since 2017, but they didn't buy in 2020. So you have an opportunity to reactivate an inactive customer who bought in 2019 or 2018. You get the list, go look at it. They've, they've spent money with you already. They've either given you a credit card or they've written a check or something along, you know, or given you cash. Well, not so much giving you cash anymore, but they've done something to buy, you know, they've raised their hand and they said, hey, I want to use your products. I'm using your products or your services or whatever else it is. Find out why they stopped. Mm. And a lot of times the answer you are going to get is, I thought you guys went out of business because I haven't heard from you. Right. All right. There's that marketing guy who didn't send do the send out cards. I mean, that's a perfect thing to keep. <laughs> It's a perfect and thing it's so see. much it's so much cheaper to keep a client than it is to go out and get a new client. So yeah, absolutely. Idea. So that's number but, one. N number two is what other products can you sell existing clients who are buying from you every day? And this is stuff that we all know. But the reality is, if we don't sit back and look at it and go, oh, my God, oh gosh, you know, I didn't know you guys did this. I have a, a really good. Um, colleague of mine who is in the printing business or you know was in the printing business before he retired and sold his company but he learned a huge lesson one time he was doing things that were stationary and business cards and stuff like that and then he went to visit this client one time and this client showed him this brochure that he had printed somewhere else and um my my colleague said to him well we print brochures he goes I never knew you did that otherwise you would have gotten this work if you don't communicate all your products and services to your customers, they don't know. They're not mind readers. They don't know what products you have and services you have. Let them know. What a, what a, what a perfect thing to communicate in your, in your regular marketing to them and your mm -hmm. regular engagement, the email campaigns, the, the, um, the set-up cards, <laughs> since we're using that analogy, but to tell them what you do. Ah. So many business owners, I think they get in the, the mindset of just doing what they're doing and they forget the little simple, yeah. like almost dumb moments, but they're so easy to forget and misplace that they don't do them. And so this is a wonderful conversation to bring those ideas back in. Yeah. So we've got, we've got the, um, we've, we've talked about the two things. So the re-engagement of it, um, what, what's a third idea? A third idea is to always be asking for referrals. And then we can do it on the bottom of our signatures on our emails. Or if you're always looking for employees, you know, you can put a little sign on the bottom of it that says join our team and a link to your website where there's a career page on your website. So I know that's not revenue, but that's also finding employees and finding people. So that works really well. But also, you know, like on the bottom of my signature, I have all five of my books. And right. You know, it's, it's just one way people, oh, I didn't know you wrote those. And they'll go click on it and, and potentially 
invest in the books or whatever, but it, you don't think of it after a while, it's just there. But it's people who don't necessarily know what everything you do, you can put it there. Love Easy. it, love it. So I love the idea of going and hitting those old clients from the past and, and, and doing the little, the little things on there. Um, what do you think when you look at a budget and you're thinking of yourself, how much extra should I have at that bottom budget? Like, okay, I've got, I've got X in income and Y in expenses. What is that Z number I should have left over at the bottom? It depends what you want your net profit per hour to be. It really does. Um, obviously, it should be greater than the amount you can earn in a fast food restaurant. But <laughs> there are some, some people who are happy with $20 net profit per hour, others who want 100 It just kind of depends. And, and the answer really and truly is, all right, you want $100 net profit per hour to do what? It's, it's like, okay, I'm motivated by money, but motivated by money to do what? It's not the money. Money's the tool. Um, uh, one of my clients uh, always, you know, gave part of all of his net profits to a charity that he absolutely loves. So he knows the more profit he earns, the more he can give away. And he also does it from a bonus perspective with all of his employees. They know that they get a percentage of the net profit every year. So if the company makes 10%, they get 10% of the 10% divided amongst all the employees. If the company made 20%, they'd get 20% of the 20%. So it's it's really a very good way of doing it. And so they're motivated by number one, making sure the company is profitable. Number two, doing the things that they've got to do to make to keep it profitable. And they get a reward at the end of the year, which is cool. You know what? Bring everybody lift the water. As the water rises, all boats lift, right? Everybody, That's right. Everybody goes together. I like that idea. And it's really, mm -hmm. it brings on that mentality because you talk a lot about getting your employees engaged and, and doing the right stuff. So everybody's pushing the boulder up the hill together. Mm -hmm. um, I love the engagement of sharing in the profitability, um, you know, $20 over. And again, you don't talk in percentage, you talk in dollars. So <laughs> another, another little thing I, I, I'm catching that's, that's uh, in line with your brand, but, yeah. um, but to, to reward. Um, I think that that's really, I think that that's really how you make the team move that boulder. And the really interesting part about that, after a couple of years, you probably won't see it the first year, but if somebody's not pulling their weight, you won't have to fire them. They'll make their lives miserable to get them out. And you don't even have to do it because they realize it affects their bottom line and their bonuses. And they don't want somebody who's an anchor. Right. They want everybody you know, going the same way. And they'll, you may not even know it, but they'll just quit one day. Now you know it. But you know, reality is, is they'll make their life miserable and an unhappy place to work for that person. So that person will likely quit which is what you want, actually. Right, you want engaged people and then you don't have to worry about that. Uh, if they are doing overtime, it's actually producing income for them, right? That's for right. them, for the yeah. company to, to get going. So um, what about in the budget? Do you have pieces that talk about reinvesting back into your company and into your employees? Um, the training piece is definitely reinvesting in your employees. So there's always a part of it, is always a training budget. There's always a meeting budget in there, but that's all overhead. So that's a piece of overhead. But that's a necessary piece of overhead in my mind because you've got to keep the guys and ladies, sorry, trained um, on the new things that are coming out and things that will help your customers. And if, if you're into technology and do technical things, obviously training is, is critical there too to keep up with the latest things that are going on in your industry. So that's how I reinvest there. Um, 
And then when you look at the bottom line, bottom line, you're gonna have you're gonna have to take a piece of whatever it is. You know, if you're making twenty dollars net profit per hour, you got to take at least five or ten percent. Sorry, five or ten dollars of that, and reinvest it in the company because you're gonna have to pay for range raises and all the other things that they can potentially want. So, you may look at it twenty dollars. We we keep 10, 10 of those twenty dollars in the company, and we distribute the other ten. It really varies by company and what your goals and objectives are, um, and you right. have to make that decision. Right. No. This is this is this is wonderful things um, that that when you're looking at your numbers. So um, my father was a was a very very good salesman. Um, he's passed on since, um, but he was a very good uh, car salesman and ran a really good thriving company. But he only looked at like what the bottom line was, you know, he never looked at all the numbers coming in. And if he had a bottom line, but then he only looked at like the net bottom line, he didn't realize he had to pay people out of that and do other things. So he's, he was spending and living on this like net bottom line, not the, not the final bottom line that, that mm -hmm. he actually had. And so it tweaked his numbers a little bit, but I think it's really important that, that business owners look at those numbers and the things that we're talking about today should be basic stuff, but like your example of your client that stopped looking in August and got in trouble by December, it can hit you like a ton of bricks really fast if you don't monitor these things. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things that people often forget to put in the budget? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I've probably been doing it so long that we've got all the expenses in there <laughs> and right. rarely do we have one that's not. A lot of times it's um, some asset purchases, things like, all right, I need another truck for an employee. What are those expenses going to be? It's things that are, okay, there's this great training class coming up and it's not in the budget, but it's really important for everybody to go to it. You know, I look at the budget from that perspective. Okay, if we're going to add this month, excuse me, as much money in training, where can we cut it in other places so that we can maintain our budget the way it is? Or can we generate enough revenue to be able to cover the cost of this training? And a lot of times I'll look at it that way also. Nice, nice. So so it's it's those occasional things that, that people forget about. If we use that parallel in our personal life, we always forget to save for Christmas, but we spend at Christmas every time, you know? So it's those things that we forget that are, that are not monthly, monthly things. Um, I noticed also with a lot of my clients that have challenges is that they're looking at fixed costs, but they don't, um, they don't forecast variable costs very well. Mm -hmm. How do you address that one? Well, variable costs are really a percentage of sales. They're, they're your direct costs or they're your cost of goods sold. So you're going to end up with sales minus direct costs or variable costs, and you're going to get a gross profit. The gross profit has to be high enough to cover whatever your overhead is for that particular month. So, you know, again, we, we go backwards. We start with what we want on the bottom line. We add our overhead cost to it, and that gives us our gross profit. Then we figure out our variable costs, and then we get a, a revenue or a sales number. And can we do it or not? I mean, I don't start with the sales number and see whether we make money. I start with how much we want and see what sales we have to have. I mean, I flip the P&L on and back or, you know, upside down 180 degrees. That's how I and, do it. And, and that's that's a smarter way of doing it, really, is is reverse engineering what you want is the end goal and working your way backwards to get that. I love that idea. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so when we look at um, flipping it on our back end and we're looking at variable expenses and we're looking at things, oftentimes business has expenses on the front end, but sales come later. Where do you bridge the gap in that budget to stay close enough to it, knowing that forecasted or future sales 
are coming in ahead of time or, you know, after the cost have already occurred. Okay. So you're looking at the difference between a PL budget and a cash flow budget. The mm-hmm. budget we've been talking about is the PL budget, i.e., revenues and expenses. Mm-hmm. So what you have to do is you have to take from your PL budget and then you have to put it into a cash flow budget, which is not the same thing. Okay. The cash flow budget is you begin with a certain amount of cash and what's coming in the door. Now, what will happen is on your cash flow budget, if your PL says you're going to sell something in January, but you're not going to get paid until March, that gets affected in your cash flow budget. So you're your collections from the sales are based on when you're going to collect from that sale, not the sale that was made on your PL budget. But your expenses might be for people to produce it. You're going to have those expenses every single week because they're not going to wait three months to get their money. Okay. Yeah, and say, I'm sorry, we didn't get paid from our client yet. You can't get paid. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> Definitely doesn't. So, but you're that's a great at- conversation, is because some business owners, especially in the small, uh, smaller level, they're not they're 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 living off of this one document. When there's several layers to that document, having the 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 profit and loss budget, and then the cash flow management of that, and they have to understand that there are moving parts and pieces in there that they have to account for. So yeah. um, that's there's- that's a that's good conversation. Yeah, there are two distinct budgets. There is the PL budget and there's the cash flow budget. You need to watch both. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And and the and the um so what are some of the what are some of the ideas that people can do when um when they're reviewing this? Is this something that's done monthly? Is it something that's watched daily? Is it weekly? Should they, you know, I mean, do they have to rely on 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 waiting for the accountant to deliver the information? Now, I would say that you review your P&L budget and your overall cash flow budget every single month. It takes you less than a half an hour a month. Spend the half hour a month. All right. Now, you're going to look at your um, cash in your bank account every single day. It will take you five minutes. You're going to do a weekly cash flow budget, which will take you 15 minutes or you'll take your bookkeeper 15 minutes. I mean, you don't have to do the, the, the nitty gritty of any of this stuff as a business owner. You have to understand what it means so that you can make good business decisions about your business. I never ask a business owner to do debits and credits. That's not what we went to, what we went to school for. That's not what we're doing. I ask them to be able to look at the statements and say, okay, this looks right, wrong or whatever. Give me the numbers from this. And that's what you rely on your bookkeeper for. Your bookkeeper, let your bookkeeper do what they do best. Debit some credits, you know, take money and, you know, pay the bills and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, you're going to look at your your bank statement every day. You're going to do a weekly cash or your bookkeeper's going to do weekly cash flow every, every week. And you're going to review your financials every month with your cash flow budget. Perfect. Because I think that's where, I think that's where business owners really get that, that, that panic of oh my gosh I have to I have to create the PL I have to create the cash flow statement and I always say just because you can doesn't mean you should give that to the experts that can do it your accounting should never be done by you um, you know yeah. but <laughs> I know right it's, I can only pound this in so many times in a conversation well to, look, to my look at it this way look at it this way okay if you spend your time doing accounting rather than what you do best. Let's assume you're a great salesperson and you and if you spent an hour on sales rather than you know, six hours trying to do the books, which is better for you. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Totally, totally. It's it's so important. So you talk a lot about systems and processes. And I think the the thing that business owners 
fear and regret is looking at the numbers and understanding what they're looking at, number one, and then always the fear of, you know, oh my gosh, is it going to be bad? You know, um, how do you address, you, you address the timing of like, look, it's going to take you an hour um, a month, you know, a half hour to look at the budgets and 15 minutes a week to look at, to, to look at your numbers. I mean, it's not a lot, but yeah. um, is there, is there something that um, can help them understand the, the ups and downs of those numbers a little bit easier and what pieces that they should be looking at? Yeah, if you, I mean, they're actually both in both of my books, The Courage to be Profitable and Profit or Wealth. I mean, both of those books talk about it in English, not accounting babble, but um, it, it goes through the details of doing your half hour a month, the details of looking at your weekly cash flow. And quite frankly, the first time you do it, it's probably going to be scratch your head and go, whatever. But by the time you do it the second month, the third month, the fourth month, it becomes really easy. And it's like, what was so hard about this? It's not, you know, it's, it really and truly is not difficult once you get the hang of it. It's like getting the hang of anything. And yeah, when you, you have hobbies, you know, I hate to use the word golf because I don't think you ever get really, really good at golf right. unless, it's, unless it's you're a professional. <laughs> but, you know, look at what you've done in your business and learning the terminology and learning everything there. And you, you worked at it until you got it. The same thing here. You work at it. It'll take you a little bit of time, but not much. I like it a little bit of front end training smooths it out for the for the long haul on here. So Ruth, this has been a really, really valuable conversation that business owners truly need to understand, especially as we're getting the year rolling, grab control over the numbers because that's one place, one of the few places that we can <laughs> control in our business and, and just grab it. So where can listeners find out more information about your books and, and the techniques that you're sharing with us today? You can easily go to my website, which is ruthking.info. And I think you're going to put in the notes. I have a, a, um, a paper that I wrote called how to tell if your financial statements are wrong in less than 97 seconds. And you're going to put that link in there and feel free. It's free, you know, go for it and look at that and look at your financials and Hopefully you're not doing any of that stuff. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, it's never too late to change a financial habit. Um, and if you can change it for the good, then then it's going to make your business more profitable, which is what we're all talking all about that. here is yeah. having profitable businesses. Yeah. So thanks again so much. This is this is wonderful. Listeners, I hope you found an idea or two that you can put into your business today. And please, by all means, go pick up that uh that white paper that Ruth has created so you can learn how to manage your numbers in 97 seconds. I mean, holy cow, that's wonderful. Um, so considering what's happened to businesses um, in the past year, now more than ever, it's more important to create your own profit plan and make sure that you have a thriving business. So I put together myself some 10 or some six easy action tips that you can put into your business immediately that can make a big impact. If you want to go pick up that free report, that's at failproofbiz, that's B-I-Z.com. And Ruth and I would love to hear any of your questions and feedback on this comments today um, and even ideas for future shows. So please subscribe and comment on today's podcast so we can hear those ideas. And as always, you can catch Profit with a Plan on any of your favorite podcast players. And we're looking forward to more profitable information on next week's show. So until then, make your plans and profit with them. Thanks, Ruth. Thank you. All right.